Good morning, new community. I almost forgot I had to come up. It was, worship was so beautiful. Thank you as always, worship team, uh, for leading us so well. Before I get started, uh, I wanted to share some news with you all. Uh, and then we're going to jump into the message. To make this news easier to share, I have a letter that I am going to read. And I'll keep the, let's keep the background music going just to keep it light. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I am reading this letter. It's a letter I sent to the leadership team on December 1st. Uh, so 10 days ago. So I'm going to read it to you, and then we are going to go from there. Um, it says, Dear Leadership Team, or in your case, I'll address you and say, Dear Church, um, I am writing to inform you that I will not be renewing my contract next month. I want to express my gratitude for this time spent serving here at New Community. Thank you all for entrusting me with this interim position. My goal was to bring hope and healing, and that was achieved to some degree. Although the journey hasn't been easy, I believe the challenges we faced have given us in this community a renewed strength and hope. New community is strong and resilient and continues to demonstrate its determination to overcome difficulties with deep commitment and solidarity. I've been grateful to see how much new community has grown during my time here, but as I've processed a contract extension more in prayer, I sense my season here is complete. And while I initially had hoped to extend my time beyond my contract, recent developments or discussions with some staff have led me to discern that it wouldn't be beneficial for me, them, or the church to stay any longer than my contract dictates. I hope and pray for the best for every staff person here. I believe that in church congregate and member here, I believe that with continued prayer and guidance from those within and outside the church, things will continue to move in a positive direction. I have faith that this wonderful staff and this wonderful church will reach a healthier space as it continues to seek out the wisdom and support of our conference, denominational leaders, and experienced church leaders. Again, new community, it has been my gift to serve with and alongside of you these past few months. And not only have I seen this church grow, but I have grown as well. And I'm grateful for that. As I conclude my contract over this next month or next Sunday will be my last Sunday, um, I will continue to serve as I am doing now uh, with teaching, preaching, pastoral care. So if anybody wants to get on my calendar, hurry up. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will prepare the staff for my transition by establishing the appropriate systems and people to ensure a smooth transition. I will continue in all assigned interim roles and responsibilities. I have also taken the time to create a 2023 preaching calendar for NUCOM for the first three months of the year. And let me just say, you all have some awesome speakers coming up. So uh, awesome speakers, sermon, series, and all the things. So I have forwarded this calendar uh, to our team and people have been confirmed to our leadership team 
and uh, the staff and the appropriate people will get it as well. So thank you all. I look forward uh, to continuing to serve and be present over this uh, next week uh, or so, days, how many days we got? Okay, it's exactly a week, it's a week. Um, and so thank you all so much for allowing me to serve in this capacity. Uh, it has been a blessing and I know that there are great blessings to come for this church. Thank you. All right. Before, thank you. <laughs> Before, thank you. <laughs> Before I get weepy, let's uh, jump into uh, the message for today. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 5. Thank you so much. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijab with his, and his wife Elizabeth. was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order, was on duty that week. As it was custom of the priests, uh, he was chosen by to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, for many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will return, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the Father to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of this day, for this is the day that you have made and uh, help us to continue to rejoice and be glad in it. We just ask God that during this time, that by the power of your precious Holy Spirit, would you continue to um, just sit with us, settle with us, and change us, draw us, lead, or into, lead us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we say, amen. So I don't know how many of you all have already started a Christmas list uh, already. If you are like me, you do not Christmas shop until the night before. 
You, any last minute Christmas shoppers or am I the only one? Okay, good. We, let's start a group, okay? And, uh, but you know, it starts with Black Friday, which I feel like we should change the name of Black Friday. It almost feels racist to say out loud or something, but you know, you know how it is. Like you, you get, we get in the Christmas spirit and holiday and we start watching the movies, doing the shopping. We start preparing for Christmas, you know, with the, the things that are, that seem important at the moment, right? Decorations, how many people got their tree up? Okay, look at all you accomplished people. Somebody come set mine up, because it is not up. And that will also be up on Christmas Eve. Um, and so, you know, we start getting ourselves together with gifts and parties and all the things. But when we think about it, and we think about Advent, and we think about how we are to prepare for the coming of the Lord, the church is called to prepare for this season differently. And while our regular calendars highlight Christmas, the liturgical calendar highlights this time as Advent. And what is Advent? Advent is the time we prepare ourselves to celebrate the anniversary of the Lord's coming. Just to be clear, December 25th is not Jesus' actual birthday, but it is the time that we prepare, that we celebrate the anniversary of his birth and a call to remember it. But during this time, as we think about Advent, we are to bring ourselves to God. We are reminded that we are broken and sinful people whose consequence for sin should have been death and eternal damnation and separation from God. But God saw fit to send us a Savior and His Son to take on our punishment, to take on the sins of the world, so that we might be with Him forever. And when we think about that, this time is even more special as we commemorate and celebrate God's goodness to us. Now is the time that we have, as believers ought to be encouraged to bring and share that news with those who do not know him. Even as we're preparing and out shopping and doing all the things, really it is an opportunity for us to also share the goodness of Jesus. The lights that we hang from our home ought to be symbolic of the light that shines within us. For we are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, the salt of the earth. Therefore, we ought to be ushering in a spirit of peace and hope during this season, during this season where the birth of Christ is highlighted. Because here's the truth, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is your time to shine. Literally, your time to shine. And while uh, this is kind of difficult to navigate with all the sort of surfacey things that we, consumeristic things that we're encouraged to engage in during this season, and we can easily find ourselves distracted from this greater truth of what Advent looks like, there is still that reminder where there is this invitation from Scripture, from Jesus himself, to come and remember the gift. Now, we all know too well, with every holiday season, there comes pressure, right? 
There comes pressure with deadlines. There comes pressure with, you know, buying gifts. And you just don't want to buy any old gift. You want to buy the right gift because last year your gifts didn't work. Whatever the case may be, um, we've gotten to a point in our household where folks just get gift cards, you know, and we're going to let you shop. Uh, for yourself, but we know like there are pressures in this life, right? The increased workloads, the things that are happening as we're thinking about family because families are getting together and there are the pressures of the unresolved um, issues or tensions that we didn't quite address last year and it's carried on into this year or maybe just money is tight, right? Financially, this is one of those things where we can be tempted to overextend ourselves in order to accommodate our children, our families, our schedules, and traveling. Whatever the case may be, we have to remember the true reason for the season. How do we stay focused? How do we do it? How should we be preparing ourselves to celebrate uh, this time? How should we be looking at and uh, posturing ourselves for the arrival of Jesus? Well, I think this story in today's text gives us a really good picture of what that looks like and how to do it. Zachariah was a priest and his wife, Elizabeth, was the daughter of the priest there in the priestly line, we see. And they too lived during a time of chaos and turmoil. They lived under the reign of an idolatrous leader, and they did their best to live a lifestyle where they maintained the commands of God. And Scripture tells us they did. But here's the thing, that though they did and though they were righteous, things were not perfect in their lives. There was something still missing. Elizabeth and Zechariah had no children. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us they were barren, meaning uh, it was uh, perceived as hopeless for them to have children. And here's what we must understand, and the stigma still exists today, that to have no children meant that you are under some sort of divine punishment. I can't tell you how many conversations and counseling sessions I've had over the years with people who have struggled with infertility, who have assumed that it was a curse. And they walked around with guilt and shame, feeling like they weren't strong enough to pray the curse off. That them having no children was their fault because they weren't spiritually uh, mature enough, astute enough, anchored enough for God to bless them with a child. The, the shame that I see people live with under that sort of premise when it comes to infertility, I imagine the same was true for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They uh, were told probably that they had offended God in some way, and they were deemed as not blessed. Can you imagine being categorized as a not blessed person because of something you don't have? something out of your control. You are an impoverished person, but you are considered not blessed because you don't have enough money. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to them as they were deemed as people who were not blessed? 
And I think this is probably something we have all heard at some point if you have walked with Christ long enough, as you have lived righteously, adhering to a lifestyle that you feel like, you know what, if I live this way, God will do exactly this. He will do exactly that. But then here's the truth. There are some unfulfilled promises and things lying around and people assume because I didn't get it, something is not right with me. Can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with you. Sometimes life will life. You hear me? Life will life. What does that mean? Things will happen. It is what it is, if I can say that. There is no one to blame or nothing to blame, especially yourself. When you look around and say, God, have I not given enough? The answer is yes, you have given enough. You have given enough. You have prayed enough. Because some of you all are thinking, have I not prayed enough? Have I not sacrificed enough? Have I not given enough? What have I not done that hasn't been enough? Can I tell you this morning, enough. Enough with I haven't done enough. Enough with I haven't done enough. Because I can imagine in this particular story with Zachariah and Elizabeth that they probably felt the same way. This faithful church going, if you will, family, uh, believing in the hope of salvation of the coming Messiah, but they were barren. Had they not done enough? But the situation, this situation that could have easily robbed them of their faith, Scripture tells us that God has had a plan. They didn't know it. They didn't see it at the time. And as a matter of fact, it actually caught them by surprise when God showed up, just when they thought they had not done enough. <laughs> that it wasn't enough. God shows up to Zechariah, and God says, listen, I am promising you a child. And I like it because, you know, God says, and this just won't be, you know, any old kind of cute Gerber baby. <laughs> this one will be the forerunner of Christ. Can I just say this here, do like a little pause to tell you all, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, for in due season, God will show up and you will reap. You have to know that God has not forgotten. He will perform his promise at the proper time and in the proper season. And just when you think he has forgotten, he answers you like he answered Zechariah. He says, I have heard your prayer. God tells him your barren years are over and that his son would be the one to prepare the way of the Messiah. The coming of Christ for Zechariah and Elizabeth equaled a miraculous answer to prayer. Can I tell you, as we are celebrating Advent, begin to look for God to break into your world in miraculous and unexpected ways. 
If there was ever a season where we could say this earthly moment is aligned with heaven, now would be that time. <laughs> heaven is that time where we can look for God to break into our worlds in miraculous and unexpected ways. It is Advent. What have you been praying for? It is Advent. Now is the time to pray those prayers, not give up on them, not give up on them, to stand firm in them because it is Advent. We should be eagerly awaiting the coming of Christ. And during this season, we shouldn't be bogged down with worry, stress, and defeat. We should be looking around at the things going on, and we should be saying this, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. What do you need in this Advent season? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Luke reminds us that the season of Advent is about looking for God to show up in miraculous and unexpected ways, but he doesn't stop there. He continues on to another narrative, building on this idea and the story, following the one we just read with Zechariah and Elizabeth. They weren't the only ones <laughs> who would get an unexpected miracle. We talked about that when we opened up this series, how Mary got a visit from an angel, and it says that, you know, in this moment she was confused and disturbed, and she didn't understand what the angel could have meant, that she would bear a son, though she was a virgin. And then in the midst of it all, as she was confused and she didn't understand exactly what was happening, she says, be it unto me. The unexpected blessing of the Savior, a small-town girl. I, I am going to not sing the song. <laughs> Dreams like any other girl in Nazareth, right? Marry a nice guy with a good job and good benefits. <laughs> Have a couple of kids, lead a nice, quiet life. Mary was content with what she had dreamt of and what she had thought would happen, but there was something in Mary that knew that perhaps she was purposed for more. She felt it. It was with her when she woke up, when she went to sleep, when she went to the market, when she was running errands, when she was talking to her family. There, there was something that resided in her, I believe, that let her know that there is something more. So although Scripture tells us that she was confused in the moment and disturbed, I believe that that turnaround for her where she says, be it unto me, I believe it was because there was something deep within her that was in, line, that was in alignment with who God was calling her to be, with who uh, God was calling her to become and what God was calling her to do. Sometimes we get in a place where something happens and we're like, oh God, I'm so surprised that this happened. But really, if we sit down and look at it, there was something that God gave you. There was a sense. There was 
a, a discerning process. There was a dream. You didn't know what the dream meant at the time. There was a vision. There was a word. There was a verse. There was a Bible story. It was something. And then when the event happened, sometimes we get thrown off kilter. We too are disturbed and confused by what we're seeing. But if we sit in it for a second, God reminds us, don't be disturbed and confused. Just look for me to show up in a miraculous way. Look for me to answer in a supernatural way. Look at me to disturb and confuse the folks around you when they see what I've done, when they see what comes through you, what comes from you, what pours out of you because you have been purposed for great things. Scripture tells us for nothing is impossible with God. Whew. Hair toss on that one. You hear, you hear me? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. God is in the miracle of business, is in the business of miracles. That's why we have all these Christmas movies and what happens, a miracle of some sort. Miracle on 34th Street. Is it 34th Street? Okay. It sounds like a South Side Street to me. <laughs> but what is it that you are in need of in this season? In this season? Can you imagine God doing the impossible in your life today. Whoo, that has to just feel good. Whatever you were carrying this week, um, if, if I were to do a quick survey of the room and were to ask, did anybody worry about anything this week? I am almost certain every hand would go up. I'm almost certain. If I said, if, did anybody worry about anything this week? Every hand would go up. Think about that thing that you worried about. Think about the thing you probably came in church worried about. The thing you probably worried about right now, you're trying to stuff it down deep because you're trying to be respectful and listen to this sermon, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Imagine God doing the impossible there. Can you imagine God doing the impossible there? Whether it's your family, your community, your job, whether it is the world, what, whatever the case may be, can you imagine God doing a miracle there? Because Advent reminds us that nothing is off limits with God. Everything is possible to the one who believes one of my favorite verses, I love a good faith verse, okay? I love faith verses because they remind us of who we are and who God is. But Scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God for the person who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, what? Seek him. There is something about remembering that nothing is off limits in this season if we are willing to humble ourselves. Because 
The Bible tells us that when we humble ourselves, God's divine protection will cover us and even promote us. 1 Peter 5 and 6. But all we have to do is trust him. And this is a familiar one, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he will direct your path. Listen, church. God has something for you in this Advent season. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? Thank you, Mom. She's over here saying yes, my amen corner. And here God sends Mary to Elizabeth. And the scripture tells us when they met each of them, the babies in their wombs leapt, got excited. Can I encourage you? This is just super practical tip, okay? Super practical thing that you can practice. Get around folks who are just as excited about what God is doing as you. Get around folks who understand that there is great potential within them and they're diving for it. Why? So you all can encourage each other. I love this picture of two, uh, their wounds leaping in excitement. I want to position myself this Advent season. I want you all and want to invite you all to position yourselves to be around folks who are just as excited about the possibilities of God as you. Will you say yes to God? You know, Mary, the, the, the scripture tells us that Mary moved from this place of being confused and disturbed to responding with praise and worship. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 is where it starts, and it says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice on this lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary's response for me, as I look at that, is reminiscent of this old hymn that says it is well with my soul. It is well 
with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, <laughs> thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. In this Advent season, as we even reflect on what we just read in Luke 1 and all the miracles that arise in these verses, may we remember there are good things to come in Advent. Even in the midst of a hard place, may we be able to praise and sing like Mary, remembering all of his good works and deeds. May we remember the words to the hymn, it is well with my soul, that whatever my lot is in life, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I want to end with reading Psalm chapter 8 to you just, and just hear these verses over you. The psalmist says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Let me read that verse again. And if you would, I want to invite you to just close your eyes and, and hear these words. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place. What is humankind that you are mindful of them? The son of man that you should care for him. You can open your eyes, but know that whatever your narrative is today, if your narrative is similar to that of Mary, and you've had moments where you were disturbed and confused, if it's similar to Zachariah and Elizabeth where there are areas in your life where you have been considered barren, and unblessed. Whatever that narrative is, whatever that rhythm has been, the advent of Christ interrupted the regularly scheduled programs of these folks. Can I tell you this? The advent of Christ is here to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs. That's what Advent is about. It's about God showing up in miraculous 
in unexpected ways, making the impossible possible. My question to you this morning, church, is will you let the advent of Christ interrupt your schedule? Hmm. Will you look for God to show up in miraculous and unexpected ways? Will you humble yourselves and align yourselves with God's plans, with God's plan for you this holiday season? It's just not about the things and the events. While those traditions can be fun and nice, but it's really about commemorating the anniversary of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in this way, when we remember, when we say yes, when we expect God to show up in unexpected ways, it is in this way we prepare and acknowledge the advent. We remember that Christ has come and is coming. And he is here to save, rescue, and deliver. How many of us have a little bit more hope than we had 25 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. Remembering the advent. That's where we are. And he will show up in unexpected and miraculous ways in your life. Pray with me, church. God, we thank you for Advent. We thank you, God, for giving us a space and a time to celebrate and remember your sacrifice. And for that, we are grateful. So God, continue to help us posture ourselves to expect your grace, to expect your mercy, to expect your love, to expect your care, to expect your healing, to expect your forgiveness, to expect your goodness in this season. In your name we ask and pray. Amen.